everybody. Welcome to another episode of Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. It's Patty Corkery here, and I am thrilled to bring you this episode. I have loved all of our guests, but no offense to anyone, I think this is one of my most favorite episodes, and really excited to be in our Lansing office and to have Alex Miner with me. Um, Alex is the Community Development Officer at Avia Credit Union. For those who don't know Avia, their main branch is in Kalamazoo, and and they are over $2.8 billion in assets uh, with a lot of members and a lot of branches and a lot of really cool things going on. So um, as I mentioned, Alex's title is Community Development Officer. During the episode, she really flushes out what she does in that role. Um, she talks a lot about all of the cool jobs that she's had, including working at a payday lender, which was really fascinating to talk about. And um, she was also a blackjack dealer. I mean, she has had so many different jobs that I know have all contributed in their own way to really um, giving her the expertise um, to, to land her job, which she shares the story for that too, how she bucked what the um, requirements were for the position and instead just got 15 people to recommend her for the position um, at the credit union. And that's a great lesson for y'all too. So um, she shares a lot of personal um, triumphs. Um, she talks about how she went from homeless to a homeowner in 10 years, which is phenomenal. And um, she's also a really prominent member of our great FUEL group, our young professional group here in Michigan, um, leading the DEI conversation in that space. So, so many amazing things that um, Alex and I talked about. I'm really excited to bring you this episode and I just know you're going to enjoy it. And here's Alex. Well, hi, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's really exciting. So we're sitting here in our Lansing office, and I'll just tell um, the the podsters the, um, kind of a little backstory. So I was at our CU for All event that we held um, in Frankenmuth um, last year now, because we're in 2023, uh, and I was standing there, and um, this person came up to me and introduced themselves and said, um, hey, I'm a super fan of the podcast. I listen to the episodes, and my name is Alex, and we just got to talking and um, and it was so fun to meet you and, and see you in that way. And um, I, I've told a lot of folks that mainly the people I hear from that like our podcast are our our young professionals and um, whether or not it's just because podcasts appeal to that group or what. But I think, um, you know, my thought is, is, is a lot of our YPs out there in Michigan are really interested in getting to know some of our credit union leaders and the industry more in general. So that might be part of it, but you can tell us that um, when we get to that. But um, a big thanks for being here, Alex. Thanks for coming all the way in from Kalamazoo. And um, we're going to get to know you today. And I'm excited about that. Um, I haven't really had a chance to sit down and get to know you. So this will be my, my first opportunity to really do that. Um, but before we get too underway, um, Alex, as you know, as a listener, um, I always start off asking our guests to tell us their story. So if you wouldn't mind, um, what's yours? Sure. I mean, I could go on and on to where this <laughs> podcast would need lots of editing with my stories. But I mean, I've been working since about 2005. Um, so I started working in high school and I've had almost every job you could possibly think of, whether it be selling coupon books or Kirby's door-to-door, fast food, gas stations, all the above. I was actually working at um, 
almost regretfully so, at a payday lender. Oh, wow. Um, when I actually was exposed to a job in the financial industry. So I started out in banking up at Fifth Third Bank in Grand Rapids. I was in their contact center in their headquarters up there. And I was there for about a year and a half before I transferred down to their headquarters in Cincinnati. So I went down to Fifth Third Bank in Cincinnati. That relationship ended, went over to U.S. Bank for only about six months before I decided I want to come back home to Michigan. I did not like that Cincinnati was just very much, uh, there was no grass. Like I just, really? <laughs> I was, yeah. I wanted to see grass <laughs> and I'm not much of a beach or water person, but I was like, there's no fresh water here. The, the Ohio River that goes through there just pretty much transports coal. So it's not something that you can like go fishing and go swimming and ah. stuff in. So I came back to Michigan, went back up to Grand Rapids. Um, and at that point, I was actually a blackjack dealer for a year and a half at Gunlight Casino. And to be honest with you, if that had banker's hours and holidays existed at a casino, I probably would have retired doing that because you're just playing cards for a living. Yeah. Like it's just playing games all day. Wow. It was a blast. And actually later on after that, my mother was a blackjack dealer at Firekeeper's Casino. Okay. And that's kind of how I got into that. And after that, we would do, there was this company that would do like uh, business parties. So like their Christmas parties or yeah. whatnot, they'd have like little mini casinos. Yeah, we've done that before. I would do that instead. You know, it's just kind of like a side gig or just do it for charity type of thing. And that's more fun because there's no eye in the sky. So you can be like, all right, hit that 17. You never hit on a 17. Just, just do it. Just go ahead and hit on that 17. Yeah, because the money. fake money. It's exactly. Fake money, fake money goes well, to charity. Well, mental note. Uh, look at that. <laughs> uh, right now, do a charity yeah. event. It's very but, fun. But then I was ready to go back to banker's hours. I was not happy working 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Yeah. So I went to Huntington Bank, and I worked service side for the first time. Most of my positions had been back office contact center. And I worked there. I got promoted to a service manager, went from Battle Creek to Kalamazoo. And then um, at that point, I was just uh, talking about this earlier, where I got more into activism and advocacy right around 2016 when some major political things were going on sure, in the world. Sure, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was like, well, banking doesn't really align with with type of the movement I'm trying to make. So I went to the credit union world. And I was at a smaller credit union for a year before I came to Advia, which I call my porridge all the time. You know, I went from those big banks yeah. to a real tiny credit union, which I attribute a lot of my experience to. Because, sure. you know, when you work at a tiny credit union, you wear 16 different hats. Yeah. I did everything from, you know, the initiated member call to underwriting to closing, paperwork, et cetera. So I learned a great deal and I'm still very impacted by a lot of the people that still work at that credit union. But then I moved on over to Advia Credit Union, which of course is a much larger credit union. Yeah. So you have all the conveniences of that big banking world, but yet still that core credit union movement of people helping people sure, and right. exactly. So still within that credit union movement, that not, not for profit space. Absolutely. So people listening to you and your, uh, your career path might think I'm talking to a 50-year-old <laughs> person, which is young, by the way, I will say, um, but I'm not. <laughs> you're, you're a young professional here in our industry and have just had a crazy ride. That's so fun. And now you're the um, community development officer, is that right, at Advia? That's correct. Yep. I'm the very first one. It's a brand new position at Advia. Yeah. So what do you do in that role? What, is that, what does that role entail? So I get to handle anything social mission. So okay. our, our social mission at Advia really focuses on four pillars. That's food, housing, and transportation insecurities, as well as financial wellness. 
So I get to house any sort of community partnerships within all of our areas. We're chartered in the entire lower peninsula of Michigan. And then we also have nine branches between Wisconsin and Illinois. Right. So I get to make and create partnerships in all of those areas to help with our volunteer hours. You know, we provide 16 hour, we call them action hours for all of our full-time employees and eight hours for all of our part-time employees. With that, I get to help organize, you know, focus towards those four pillars as well as organize any sort of group volunteer acts. So if we're all going to go do a Habitat house or something like that, I get to help formulate those partnerships and create those as yeah. well as pairing with our Advia um, 501c3 foundation, lot, everything social mission. So I'm all the people helping people aspect. Is this like the best job ever? It truly is the best job ever. This Honestly, so Patty, cool. I, when this position, so when you start at Advia, as many other employers do, you do that little like get to know you blurb. Yeah. You know, they ask you what's your favorite candy, this, this and that, and then <laughs> right. they'll tell us a little bit about you. And it's still on my nameplate. It hasn't been updated. And it says, like, the crazy fact about me was that I was going to go skydiving with my 70-year-old grandmother due to a pandemic. She was 72 when we actually went skydiving. We did do that. <laughs> just a little blip. <laughs> yeah, just, just a little blip there. So I did do that. But then it also said that, you know, I've been in the financial institution and the lending world for some time now. This is really my foot in the door to really find a community position, something that really involves public service to help my community. So as soon as this position was posted, I had the hiring manager on the phone within two minutes and saying, what is this position? Tell me really much more about it. They did. Um, I had gotten kind of a, a word in my ear saying that the executive that's behind this position really would like someone that has a college education. Okay. I do not have a college degree. Right. I have college credits. I do not have a degree. Sure. Thankfully, I don't have student loans because I don't yes. have that degree, but yes. I do not have a degree. So what I did was I contacted multiple different past managers, coworkers, et cetera, and I had 15 people submit recommendations for me to be in this position. Oh my God. So. That, what a great um, lesson for folks listening, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think, and especially sometimes you hear that women out there don't even apply for a job if they don't meet every single one of the criterion uh, in the posting. And studies show that men don't have that fear, right? And they apply even if they just meet half of it. And so for you to just find a, a back door, so to speak, um, to really get in there and let them know about your passion. And I think that shows so much, um, you know, uh, tells so much about you and in your drive, but also, you know, it hits on that notion of a college degree, right? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as people are, you know, the things are changing, right? And there's, there's certainly some roles that require one and for a reason, but there's others that, you know, it's just not the path for everybody. And it's not something that you need for every single job. And for you, it seems like you have to have connections, you have to understand, you know, all of the community development aspects, getting to know, you know, the community and the different organizations. And yeah, I mean, at a college degree, I can see how, how you'd be a great fit for that without one. And, and really just going to conferences and, and different, you know, chamber events and getting to know, you know, the community is really the way to hit that. So congrats to you on that, um, determination and it got you the job you wanted. So that's an amazing story. Um, I do want to hit on one, one of your past careers. I'm fascinated by the blackjack table and I'm sure you have a lot of stories there. Um, but, um, to kind of stay in the financial service 
space. I think it's really cool that you worked at a payday lender because especially seeing firsthand, you know, what that does in a community, what a payday lender shop does to a community and it does to people who don't have the means. Um, I think it gives you a great perspective to understand that whole dynamic. What did you do at the payday lender? It, it really does. Like I yeah. can tell you just from having that experience. And honestly, I mean, there have been times where I utilize payday lending in my past as well. You know, I come from a family of generational poverty. You can see just in just a couple generations back, my family is from the Appalachian Mountains. Wow. Uh-huh. And they didn't have plumbing, you know, they didn't have running water, they didn't have electricity, things of the sort. And this is not in a time when that wasn't accessible to the most of the world. It was that they were just you know, impoverished. Yeah. So with that, my family didn't have any of the resources that many others did. And working in that space, I will tell you, these are dedicated, loyal people. You know, there's people that was in 2010 is when I left the payday loan um, place. I only worked there, I think a year, but nonetheless, some of those people are still Facebook friends. They are people that I have developed long-term friendships with. Are you talking about the people that came in? Yes. The the customers customers. at the payday lending place. Yes. They are, they're people. And I will tell you that I've gotten gifts and recognition and things at different financial institutions I've worked for. You know, some people bring you a Christmas gift and things like that. I never got so many gifts than I did at a pay to, at the payday lending oh. place. And those people are just constantly, they're just in a hard spot. Yeah. And they get stuck. And many people do not educate them on how to get out of that position. Um, there is, or at least there was at the time, you know, I'm not back up on that. The, there's the uh, Michigan repayment plan where they can cut their payment into three different um, payments yeah. to try to get out of it. But it's not marketed because, you know, the payday place is trying to make their money. Sure. Things to start that way. So you have to come in and ask for things like that. Mm. And then there was, wasn't this big credit union move like there is now where we have alternative lending, small dollar lending, things like that. Those options weren't around just in 2010. It's only 2023. That's just 13 years ago. But we didn't have that access then. Yeah. And it's that that quick turnaround. So sure. you, right now you can apply online, have it in your account within that same day. And even the credit union movement's still kind of behind on trying to get that accessibility. I know. I mean, I talk to credit unions that are putting together what they're calling a payday lending alternative. But, Mm -hmm. you know, when you peel back the onion, is it a real legit alternative to what a customer at a payday lender experiences in terms of that immediate access and, you know, just in and out transaction? Um, You know, if you require somebody to be a member for, you know, three months first and, you know, which I, I, I credit, you know, credit unions trying to continuing to peel that back and really trying to roll up their sleeves and figure out some legit alternatives. But I think that's great. I mean, we have that book, you know, I don't know if you read that. I think it's Unbanking America mm-hmm. with the Lisa Servan who worked at a payday lending shop just so she could understand the dynamic and the appeal and and the, the customers. And she wrote a whole book about <laughs> that experience and, and how much um, she saw there and how that translates into, you know, financial services in general and stuff. So I think it's mm-hmm. a really cool component of your background. Um, So as I was uh, looking into your background a bit, I saw that you have your um, credit union development educator designation. So um, sometimes people will see that C-U-D-E after somebody's name and they're not quite sure what that is. And I'm excited to talk to you about that because I am going for mine this year and I'm going to head out to Wisconsin in October. But why don't you tell us what that is and how you get it and, and what the experience was like for you? It's a really amazing experience. I'm really excited to hear that you are going. Yeah. I got the privilege of doing so. It is an expensive course, but there's 
the benefit of being in the credit union world is that there's so many grants that you can apply for and things of sort if you are from a smaller credit union to get that resource to you. It's a week-long training in Madison, Wisconsin, which is kind of like the credit union capital of the U.S., right? right. There's CUNA's there. The World Council is there. And I honestly didn't have a lot of this exposure to all of these QSOs and cooperative support um, until I went to that because, uh, you know, my my history is in contact center and lending. So I didn't really have a lot of that outside networking that you really get in other positions at a credit union. So when I went to this, I had the privilege of doing so because my entire executive team had already gone. Okay. And they're like, Alex, I think this would be a really good thing for you to go to in sure. this new role. And so they sent me to it. I had no idea, honestly, what I was going into. Right. It is a week long in Madison, Wisconsin, where you are with other credit union people from across the nation. The most amazing part of this is you are not allowed to divulge your title. Right. So you go into it, you are sitting amongst CEOs, CFOs, branch managers. You have no idea who you're sitting with. You'll figure it out over time, right. you know, by uh -huh. the, the experience they have, the qualities that they bring to the table, et cetera. And you'll, they'll definitely expose like the departments they're in and things sure. of the sort that way. But you do not find out until Friday, the last day when you graduate, what everyone's title is, et cetera. So you're sitting, everyone's amongst equals. It really dives into the credit union movement. Right. So it goes into the UN cooperative principles, you know, housing, technology, hunger, et cetera. And how can we as credit unions really go in to attack those issues across the nation, but especially in our communities? Because, and, and it goes into the origination of credit unions, like telling the story of all the way back in Germany, how credit unions started with farmers having failed crops and the town really coming together to provide resources to help feed these farmers. Ironically enough, they're the ones that grow the food and then they were the ones going yeah. hungry. So that's really that cooperative movement. And the most amazing thing about me getting put into that at the really at the right time is because you help develop skills of brainstorming and how to hone in all of your thoughts and ideas, which I have thousands. <laughs> and having to narrow that focus is something that I personally have to work on. And that's something that they help you do. What you're doing is essentially training with a team that, of strangers you've never met before with skills all across the credit union. And sometimes QSOs, even board members sure. are part of this. Yeah. So with that, and you're with a team <laughs> and league presidents as well. But yeah, so with that, you're with this team and you're attacking some sort of issue, one of the UN cooperative principles to figure out what you can do. And really, you're simulating how to present to a board. So you're acquiring all these skills of a case study and things of the sort that way, which some people may have already done in the past and many of them hadn't. So that gave me quite a bit of skills. But the biggest benefit you really get from going to this is that national network. I can go anywhere in the United States and even there's, they have queued Africa, they have queued yeah. UK, et cetera. I can go anywhere in the US and outside and find someone who's done something before. So like I recently, we were kind of exploring more SEGS. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've never done that before. I have no idea what we're doing. So I put out, there's a um, Facebook group of queues. Okay. And I just posted out on the Facebook group. I'm like, hey, we're, tr we're thinking about exploring more of this. Um, anyone have any experience? Someone from Florida reached out. They were an executive there and said, yeah, I'm happy to meet with you. We met for an hour, had a conversation, gave me plenty of insight and experience. Coincidentally, she was actually um, Irish okay, from Ireland. And I went to my honeymoon just a few months after I met her virtually and went to Ireland for my honeymoon and 
she has a brother who owns a bar there in one oh, of the fun. cities that we visited. So we went out, went to the bar that her <laughs> brother owns. Unfortunately, it was closed. So we just kind of stood outside, took a picture and sent it to her. Uh-huh. But like just that network grows tremendously and just organically from that. And when you leave, you're just living that credit union movement, that spirit where it's like, I want to attack the world and all the world's issues. What can I do? Yeah. It's just an amazing experience. That's very cool. And for people who want to explore that, um, if you go to the National Credit Union Foundation, website. Um, that's where there's a lot of information on the CU Development Educator Program. And and it, it is, you know, it, it is pricey, as Alex said, but um, I've talked to, I was in a room recently of um, billion dollar CEOs from around the country, and they were, s- several of them were standing up talking about their experience, very, very similar to what you just did, Alex, and, and how much it meant to them. And, um, and you're never too old or too uh, ingrained in the industry to go. Because when I first heard about it, I'm like, well, that sounds weird. I'm a league president. It seems like I should know this stuff already. And it seems weird to go. And then I was talking to some colleagues out in the industry and they're like, no, I just went last year. And this is somebody who's been running a league for 20 plus years. And I'm like, okay, so no matter what age you are or experience level you are, it sounds like it's a really cool opportunity if you're able to take it. Exactly. I think the the beautiful thing of if you've been in the industry, obviously, you know, I'm on the other end, I'm coming in. Um, but I think if you've been in the industry for so long, it's that reigniting yeah, of the fire and that sure. validation as well yeah. that you get from it. I'm so excited. So I'm going to go in October. Um, Gigi Highland uh, gave me a heads mm-hmm. up on the date. So I'm, I'm already plugged in. So I'm really excited about that. So let's talk a little bit about being a young professional here in Michigan. I mean, I, um, most of my guests, as you know, I try and ask, what advice would you give to a young professional? Because I know a lot of you are listening to the pod. Um, so you're a member of Fuel, um, our, one of our young professional groups here in Michigan. Um, what's your experience with Fuel been like? What are, what are you getting out of it? What, why are you involved? Um, well, tell me about it. So Fuel's a really cool program and organization. I got into it because my um, boss prior to this current position, she's in it. And to be honest, she's not even in it. She, or not just in it. She's one of the um, directors oh, of the organization, that? Casey Clark. Okay. And honestly, she has been the best manager I've ever had in that long history of careers. Yeah. So when she stated, this is something that you really should get into, Alex, especially because I have a, a passion for advocacy. She's like, this is something that would really be right up your alley. So I was in it for the first time last year. Um, it was the first time that Fuel decided to do district meetings and things of the sort that way. So in addition to statewide collaboration that young professionals do, um, do it's also district-wide. So I'm in the Southwest Michigan district being in Kalamazoo that kind of goes all the way up to Grand Rapids as far uh, west as St. Joe. So honor credit unions with their sure. um, things of that way. And what I've been able to do within that is again, that creating that network. So when you have an issue at a credit union, we have this cooperation among cooperatives that, you know, I'm coming to address this or that, or, you know, what's an idea? What have you done at your credit union? And you get that perspective. And they also bring in, you know, various leaders um, that have come in and spoke and given their experience. I was able to actually host one of our district meetings at our brand new Advia headquarters yeah, building. It's beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous. And we were able to utilize our community room, which is something that I also, as part of my position as well, is making sure we have community partners in there. And I was able to bring in our Disability Network of Southwest Michigan to present, oh, to cool. present on various like DEI initiatives that you can do, you know, corporate-wide, essentially, um, with advocating for those in your membership as well as inside of your um, workforce 
to accommodate to those in our dis disabled community. So those are just really cool opportunities. Uh, really, I mean, kind of this being on the podcast meeting, you have been come from that as well as being part of a, the financial certification program through CUNA and the okay. assistance that the MCUL has done that as right. well. But yeah, so it's really done that. And then one of our YPs out of Lake Trust Credit Union actually started our DEI subcommittee with FUEL. Okay. And I was nominated by our district to be our district representative for that as well. So I also presented up in um, Mount Pleasant at one of our statewide YP meetings um, on DEI and different aspects of being an ally and all these different different ways to go on with that DEI movement that's going through credit unions as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, such an important um, topic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know more and more credit unions have gotten more involved, you know, especially since George Floyd and, and uh, you know, kind of going from there, you know, really uh, you've seen this resurgence probably for the first time in my career of people even talking about diversity and and what it means to have inclusion and equity in the workplace and uh it's really exciting which is you know really spearheaded us having the um, conference this past year i mean what in your words alex you know what what is what is the importance of dei and and you know any thoughts on how, you know, anything cool you've seen in the way credit unions are approaching it. And, um, you know, why don't you flush that out a little bit for me? Yeah, I mean, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, is really just humanity, right? There's not one person that's the same as the next person. And you can see diversity in so many different ways. The obvious ones really kind of relate to, you know, race, sex, gender, sexual identities, et cetera. But it even goes further. You know, we have to include our disabled communities, just, you know, different almost class systems, you know, poverty, you know, sure. diff different things of that that way and really just bringing all voices to the table that's going to it's not only going to help just morally culturally but it's also going to help service your business right, right. you're going to expose to even more people and expand your membership so with that there's so many small things that you can do and it's making the uncomfortable comfortable and normal. So there's there's little things that have been brought to our attention at Advia that we've corrected very quickly, didn't cost us much or anything to do, such as our applications. So we had someone who had expressed that they uh, have a trans identity. Their legal name is not their actual name. Okay, right. So what we did on our employment applications is added a preferred name column. So when our recruiter calls, you know, they're, and it's no fault of the recruiter, but they're going to call whatever name is on the application, right? So now they have that preferred name, so they actually are calling their real name, not their dead name, for a trans individual. Same thing with um, restrooms. So men's restrooms don't often have trash receptacles in the stalls. Right. That's something that was brought to our attention, that that is, a, that is something that would be convenient or needed in our men's rooms. And we quickly, within two days, as soon as it was addressed to us, went ahead and added um, you know, trash receptacles. That's like $3 a can. That's sure. a very simple thing that you can do. Right. There's just so much you can just to actually... You can't rely on those that are different than you to express what it is. You have to ask the questions and find those safe spaces. And I think that's what this wonderful DEI movement and these DEI committees are creating more safe spaces to bring more voices to the table to recognize and then create inclusion. Because inclusion is really, you know, getting away from exclusion, really. So we're excluding people by not hearing these voices, not knowing what's going on. So we really have to ask those questions, do our own research and education, 
and bring that movement through to make sure that everyone's at the table and expand our markets that way and serve our membership better that way. Yeah, I think that's such great points, you mm-hmm. know, and I think especially um, when you touched on self-education, you know, I mean, we can't just sit back and rely on somebody else to explain this to us and to teach us what to do. It's, it's really a lot of um, really taking the time to read the books, to mm-hmm. listen to the podcast, to ask the questions. And, you know, and we're all on that journey. I mean, no one is 100%, you know, perfect in mm-hmm. that space. I mean, there's so much of a learning curve. I mean, I was on a call yesterday, I'll just say, and it was a Zoom call. And um, there were just six of us on the call. And I was being introduced to two people that I hadn't met before. And they, you know, both appeared to be women. And um, I just said, hey, ladies, good morning. And um, I didn't think anything of it. And then I could see on their screen name, you know, uh, one of the individuals was a they, them designation. Mm -hmm. And so me saying ladies, it just wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And um, I thought about it during the call. And as we were about to hang up, I acknowledged that, you know, faux pas, for lack of a better word. And I apologize for it. And it's just continuing to, to learn and to to make mistakes in that space and just to to own them and uh, continue to educate. And I think for as a parent of a 21-year-old who's very uh, open and, and knowledgeable in this space, she's been a huge teacher mm-hmm. to me, you know, um, to help me learn. And when I say something, she'll call me out immediately. <laughs> Kids have no problem doing that and say, Mom, you can't, that's not the right way to say this, mm-hmm. that, and the other. And to continue learning, and uh, I'm really excited that the young professional has has a group that's targeting that that topic because it's it's so important. And um, kudos to you for for leading that and and being in that space. And um, you know, we look forward to working with you and on your ideas and thoughts and the way that you know things that are working at Avia and things that you all are excited about there. You know, we love to share that with other mm-hmm. credit unions because even just your job title and your position. You know, there's going to be a credit union listening to this going, oh, we need to have that position. I mean, look at what Alex does. I mean, we need to bring that into our shop. And and you don't have to be a billion-dollar credit union, right, to have that. Is If you look at missions of credit unions, you know, that is that is at the top, right? And to have somebody where maybe it can't be their full-time job, but at least a big part of their job, you know, at any asset size is, is something to think about. So I'm glad we're bringing awareness to that, um, to credit unions that might not have considered having a community development office. Officer, but and there was actually a lot when I went to the development educators. There were many people that had my position or something very close to it, really? and they were much smaller credit unions. Yeah, very, very true. Mm-hmm. So, what you know, you've done so much. You seem to have like a perfect job for you. Um, what do you see happening down the road? What are your big career, you know, goals, or, or how do you see yourself evolving? Mm-hmm. And hopefully, staying in the credit union space, but where do you see yourself in like ten or twenty years? Or have you thought about it? You know, the credit union space is is really a wonderful place for me to to grow and learn so much because we can we it is people helping people, and that's our direct job there. Um, my personal, I don't know that, you know, the executive team is a place for me, that type of thing. As long as I am here helping my community, you know, my personal story is I went from homeless to homeowner in 10 years. Whatever I can do to shorten that path for others in the community is my goals, my essentially my goals of life. My personal 
interest as far as pop culture things go. It's always like memoirs. Tell me your story. How did you right. get to where you are? Mm -hmm. And I recently read Billy Porter's memoir. And when he stated, he's like, I'm not religious. I don't believe in an afterlife, et cetera, but I do believe in angels among us. I had so many angels along my path. All my goal is to be angel to others. And I would, I would state that I would um, mirror that in that same aspect. So as long as I am doing something that provides me an income to not only support my family, but allow us to thrive, go on vacations, do the things that we want to do. Yeah. As long as I'm helping others in any way, shape, or form, that's what's going to fill my buckets and my passions. Wow. God, what a great answer. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm getting teary just hearing that passion in you, Alex. That's and just what you've overcome. I mean, from homeless to homeowner in 10 years. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, you just never know when you meet somebody, you know, what their past is and what, what their upbringing is. And, uh, and that's, that's really impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to bring yourself into a space where you love what you do and, and you're financially secure and, and don't have to worry about dinner each night. I mean, what, what an accomplishment. And, um, th mm -hmm. that's really a great story. And, um, you know, and hopefully you consider writing, you know, things down, you know, hopefully you're one of those journal people or to really capture that experience. Because mm -hmm. I think, especially in our space, you know, to hear um, your story, you know, in a more detailed way, um, I think it would be a really interesting read. Have you thought about doing that? I have a hundred percent intention to whether it be my retirement plan or later on down the line to yeah. write some sort of memoir. I hope to actually, my memoir will be the women in my life that shaped it included in my story. Um, I don't know. A lot of young professionals will be on TikTok. There's something that's advertised on TikTok quite often called StoryWorth. Yeah. And what that does is it'll send an email to someone every week asking them a question or okay. two questions. And they respond to that. And at the end of a year, they'll put together a booklet for you. So I currently have a great aunt who is going through the journey of ALS when obviously that, that journey doesn't end in any way other than end of life. So she's currently doing that as well. And then I have my mother doing it and my grandmother has already done one. So I'm hoping to be able to take those and create the story of the women in my family and all of their stories because you know this is generational and when I say homeless you know I've never been on the street I've never been wealthy in income but I've always been wealthy in people but not everyone has you know yeah. that fortune in of me so you know it's couch surfing it's going from place to place um, even though I didn't have a home I had five keys on my key ring of different people's houses that allow me to come in at any point in time and come stay with them. But not everyone has that. So whatever we can do to benefit them and tell our stories to help benefit their stories. Nice. Very cool. All mm -hmm. right, Alex. Well, now I'm going to end with you like I do every guest with our five questions and I didn't print them out ahead of time. So Rick might, or one, your Alex, you might have to help me remember what they all are. But I know the first one is what is on your nightstand at home? So I, I know that you asked this question and I look at my nightstand. It is trashed. Like it is just covered and everything. I have a three-year-old. Well, she turns three tomorrow. Today's my wife's 30th birthday and tomorrow's oh, my cool. daughter's third birthday. All right. Um, but so I have a toddler, so there's usually like some sort of last night's snack Something left over sticky. there. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know why I have so many remote controls. I swear I'm not as lazy of a person as it looks like on my nightstand, but there's like five remote controls, one to the electric fireplace, one to the light, one to this, one to that. So you don't have to get out of bed. I don't have to get out of bed. And like my <laughs> nightstand's so full that my actual Kindle and books are in the drawers and on the floor. So, but yeah, that's what my nightstand looks like. Oh, very cool. That, that's mm -hmm. fun. Um, okay. So what is something that people get wrong about you? How extroverted I am. So I am an extroverted individual. I'm a people 
person. I tell my story. I'm happy to hear other people's story. But certain people and certain conversations and topics energize me. But really, all of that peopling all day drains me yeah. as well. So it's where I'm at home. And my wife is very similar at uh, two I in that same aspect, but I'm just like, don't talk to me. Yeah. I don't want to talk. I want to read my book. I want to watch crappy TV shows. Right. Let me just focus on nothing for a good four hours because all I've done is people today. I think that's really common. Mm-hmm. I myself am that way too. I'm sure, like for example, your week in Madison, you probably mm-hmm. got home after all of that talking and sharing mm-hmm. and was just like, I don't want to talk to anyone <laughs> for 12 hours. I feel that way, like after our annual convention mm-hmm. or anything where I'm doing it for like two, four, or five days Mm -hmm. like it's a marathon you just get home and I live alone and I am so happy to walk through (laughs) my front door and just be alone so I think that's pretty common Mm -hmm. but uh well that's I'm sure it's much easier for me to find that alone time because I don't have a three-year-old running Mm -hmm. around but um, hopefully you have a nice comfy closet you can crawl into (laughs) or something to be alone um so what is a bucket list travel destination for you Alex I truly want to go to all of the continents, excluding Antarctica. I wouldn't be opposed to going there if someone wants to sponsor me to head out, but <laughs> it's not a priority. Okay. Um, within the U.S., I've actually been fortunate enough to travel many states. I My aunt lived in North Carolina for some time. My mother actually lives there now. My uncle lived in Kansas. So I would actually live summers away. Um, so I got to travel a lot within the U.S., but places I haven't been to um, are Maine and Washington, specifically Seattle. I'd like to go to both of those places. Oh, nice. And, you know, I think Maine is where the Credit Union National Museum is or something mm-hmm. like that. I, is it is Maine it, or is it Connecticut? It's, it's, it's somewhere in New England, somewhere in, somewhere that, in that region. So we can stop <laughs> on the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what, you know, I'm going to ask you, Alex, because I think you'd be great to answer this. What advice would you give to young professionals? Never stop asking for things. So ask, ask, ask. The worst people can say is no. Be authentic and have that drive. Like like I shared my story. Yeah. Um, I it came, you know, college education isn't always necessary, especially at Advia. It's that, you know, that grit you have to have. Maintain the grit, ask the questions, put yourself in uncomfortable spaces, you know, safely, of course. Because you can learn anything, but you have to have the drive and passion to get somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so that was outside one of my top five questions, but I didn't (laughs) want to forget to ask you that. Um, So we talked about the bucket list. If you could have coffee with anyone, Mm -hmm. who would it be and why? You know, I like to make these fairly realistic because I like to have realistic goals. I've (laughs) never met Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and I would Ah. love to have coffee with her. I would love to – I would love to – talk to her as Governor Whitmer, but I'd also love to talk to her as, you know, Big Gretch, as, you know, this personal journey she's been on. So that's something more realistic. And then I would love to have coffee with RuPaul Charles. I love the drag community um, locally and, you know... RuPaul has done so much for the gay community. There's always criticisms of every human being, and there is of him as well. But no one else, when you think of pop culture in the gay community, he's the number one that you think of, right? Yeah. And I had the benefit of my mother being a fan of RuPaul, uh, watching Tu Wong Fu in the 90s, that type of thing. (laughs) And 
it's just really been, he has like master classes on authenticity and all of that type of stuff. I would just love to pick his brain. Yeah. And he loves to talk about himself just sure. as much as I do. So he might com- <laughs> be combative in that aspect. But I would love to have coffee with RuPaul Charles. How cool. What mm-hmm. two great folks. And um, actually, I don't know, we, I don't think we're going to get RuPaul out to our annual <laughs> convention anytime soon, but we are trying to get the governor out. Mm-hmm. So that's a great point for me. Um, if she's able to join, if we could coordinate it to where she's popping in to talk to our young professionals. Mm-hmm. I know that's not quite one-on-one coffee, but mm-hmm. um, it would be fun to have her interact with our YPs. So I'll make a note of that if we're able to to grab her to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So lastly, what is one trader quality that every leader should strive for? I mean, and I've said it, authenticity, transparency, just most issues come from miscommunications, right? You just don't know what you don't know. And I've coming from being in different roles within the credit union space, I have the benefit of interacting with the entire senior management league or senior management team, as well as everyone from the frontline tellers, et cetera. And there's just so much that you don't know. And you can't know everything. Right. But if you are more transparent, things sort, then you have you're able to create that empathy and that understanding that everyone's just working their tail off to do their best job and just have that empathy and understanding. So clear communication and transparency, I think, is one of the number one traits in a leader. Yeah, nice. Perfect. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining me here um, at the pod and sharing your story and being so vulnerable. And I'm sure this is going to rank up there with one of the best episodes we've had. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you. What a compliment. Well, I didn't lie, did I? That was a phenomenal episode. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining me. It was wonderful to get to know you better. Uh, I especially enjoyed talking about the CU Development Educator designation and what that meant to you and what your experience was like with that um, through our National Credit Union Foundation. So a big plug out for that um, designation and um, something that everyone should really strive for in their career if possible. Um, And then talking about our Fuel Group, our young professional group here in Michigan. I know in uh, mid-January, Fuel kicked off with an introductory meeting. So if you missed that, um, make sure you're checking out our website and connecting with Fuel. Um, In our foundation section, we have a page designated to Fuel um, to talk more about that young professional group and and opportunities um, to sign up and be a part of that. And I will tell you, I snagged Alex after our pod because she talked about how she's interested in advocacy, which is super important to us here at the league. Um, and I invited her to apply for our scholarship to our fall hike in D.C. So i um, really excited to get Alex out there to talk to our lawmakers about the difference that credit unions make in their community. This is the most important message we can share with our lawmakers at the state level and federally. So really excited to pull Alex more into that space and get her talking about how credit unions are different and all of the great things that that um, Advia specifically is doing. So thanks again for joining me and getting to know Alex better. I know you enjoyed it. Really excited about all of the upcoming episodes in 2023 and all of the great folks that we're going to bring you um, through our podcast. So if you haven't already, make sure you're following us on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcasts so you're notified of upcoming episodes. But thanks again for joining me and I'll talk to you all soon. 